Okay, who wants to be the host? <laughs> <laughs> My favorite part about this is going to just be the flying by the seat of our pants. I guess I guess I'll be the host. I guess I'll be the host because technically I have the most podcast experience, technically. Really? Hey guys, what's up? No, I'm just kidding. Um, hello. All right, Carolina, do you want to <laughs> <laughs> Hello, listeners. This is our very serious and very novel idea that no one's ever done before. I know, a bunch of white people get together to talk about pop culture and yeah. movies, right? This is totally hey, new. I've never not, seen anything like it. Yeah. At least it's not just two white guys, all right? We I'm have a girl. for the That's diversity, true, yeah. the white woman. It, yeah, it's like every radio show. There's like the two guys and then there's the one chick and yeah. You know. Gotta keep you guys Wait, in Wait, so check. which one of us is going to be like playing it straight? I mean, <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go, I guess. It can okay. change episode to episode. We'll see what Sure, that's in. true. Okay, guys, I have a good way to start off every episode, okay? Okay. okay. I found an online uh, star date like calculator. Do you guys know what star dates are? Star yeah. date? I have no you know, idea like, what that Star is. Star Trek. Yeah, you years? know, you know from like Star Trek uh, every episode like the captain's always like captain's log star date whatever uh, right yes, yeah yes, yes okay i found an online converter so maybe we can start with the we'll start star with the star date. date yep so i can like you know what we can do too is since it's just going to be a black screen like picture wise we can put the star date somewhere <laughs> oh my god in the visuals beautiful man beautiful nice little heads up display but we're not yeah. even talking about star trek yeah i know <laughs> it's just it's a tease for the day when i finally explode and only talk about star trek Start date negative three zero two four one six dot zero 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 one eight nine. Just a heads up: the reason it's negative is because technically start date zero is January first, twenty three twenty three. So mm, that doesn't that doesn't help. Yeah. So uh, pretty useless. Hey guys, what's up? Hey, are you hey. talking to us? Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking to the voices in my head. <laughs> It could be a Smeagol Gollum thing, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> it's funny you mention that, actually, because on this episode, the very first episode, we're going to be talking about the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The very so, first episode of what, Dan? I don't think we've said uh, the, the very. Podcast. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> we haven't even mentioned the title yet. That's yeah, right. if you're listening to this, this is a podcast. Yes. It's called um, uh, Feature Length, I think is what we decided on. The Feature Length Podcast, yes. Hashtag feature length. Everyone go tweet that. So this should be, this should be an interesting episode because just for context here, Carolina, who is the uh, only that's female me. voice. Hi. Yep, that's Carol. She <laughs> has never seen Lord of the Rings ever. Well, until this until week. this week. <laughs> yeah. And myself. By the way, we should probably mention our names. For, you know, for the like, the one. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, I I'm Marco. With a C, because no one at Starbucks knows how to spell it. Uh, I'm Carolina, with a K, also no one at Starbucks knows how to spell that. And I am Daniel, and I honestly don't know if anyone at Starbucks could spell my name, because I don't think I've ever gotten a coffee at Starbucks mm. before. Ooh, impressive. We'll have to talk about Starbucks one day, that'll be a fun episode. That'll be an episode, Will for it? sure, yeah. I did work there, I can give you all the juicy gossip. Starbucks gossip. <laughs> Nothing Okay. All right, so here's what we're going to have to do here, okay? Dan and I, obviously, major experts at Lord of the Rings. <laughs> obviously. Now, wait, let's clarify. Uh, at least for me, only the movies. Like, I know a ton about the movies, but 
nothing about extra book stuff that like isn't in the movies because I've never read the books. Yeah, I have also never read the books because I'm a fraud. Uh, yeah. yeah, you but, just called yourself an expert liar. Yeah, I know a little bit, I guess, of the history about it. He's an it. expert fraud. I'm, I am an expert. I'm the ultimate fraud. So um, this will be interesting because I think we've all recently done a rewatch. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. It's it's yeah. really lucky that I mean, even before we considered this episode, Marco and I had kind of <laughs> took it upon ourselves to do a rewatch. We rewatched the uh, extended editions, mm-hmm. and uh, this being Carol's first time. <laughs> We all thought it was definitely best to start with the theatri- theatrical editions yes. for one's first time because they're pretty And I beefy. thank you because just finding three hours times three to watch all these was pretty tough. I can't imagine oh, yeah, it's, any more time. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, you really have to watch the extended ones as like six movies. Yeah. Um, it's really the only way. I mean, unless you have like literally 24 hours to kill. <laughs> in a day Which never happens unfortunately yeah i like to sleep well you know who who sleeps anymore <laughs> we're we're in our 20s not so like, me yeah it's not you know you can't sleep in your 20s you know what i mean yeah sure okay all right carol so <laughs> you've been holding out on us this whole week yes. it's time you need to go off we need your general thoughts <laughs> yeah i'm excited we want to know how you're ranking the movies we need all the details okay so let's yeah. go so first of all, I just want to say I don't think I would have watched them all in a week if I had an option, if we weren't didn't have the set <laughs> deadline to record on Saturday, because there was just so much information to take in and character names and place names that I just feel like I needed a week after every movie just to like recap in my head. So I finished the third one today at like 3.30 p.m., and had to go back into like a Lord of the Rings fan page wiki to like write down everyone's name and place names and who they are and how they're related to each other because there was just so much. Right. In general. That's actually that's impressive. I mean, that's more than that's more homework than I've ever done for <laughs> yeah. this series. That's what I'm saying. I think I dedicated probably six hours of my day today just to Lord of the Rings, like watching it and then googling because I also watched the second movie in like four parts, mm. which is my bad. Um, <laughs> I just I kept getting interrupted. I had to go get a tetanus shot at one point. It's a long story, but <laughs> is that related to the movie? That sounds a lot more interesting than anything we're going to talk about. <laughs> No, it's not related to the movie. On what day? Tuesday night, I walked into a ladder um, and cut my. (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) Like when laying on the ground, I walked into the leg of a ladder and cut my leg open like really, really bad. Oh my god! (laughs) So then the next day, I like had a because we're still in the middle of a pandemic. um, I had a phone appointment at my walk-in clinic and she's like yeah you should go get a tetanus shot immediately so i had to take a break to do that um but it's we're all good now slowly healing that's good but yeah so i had to break up the second movie into quite a few pieces which was not ideal but in general like they were really good i liked the world um i think i would have enjoyed it more if i watched them when they were released like a movie a year yeah that's fair oh yeah that's okay. I <laughs> I learned. I think a lot. about that a lot too. <laughs> Did you guys watch it in theaters? Dan, <laughs> no. 
Yeah, I, I definitely um, didn't. I was, I mean, I think we were all too How young, and that's what I was gonna say. Been? Like, yeah. it was like, I, I, like I think about like I really wish I would have been old enough at the time because it's obviously it's something I would have been super into to go see at the theaters, mm-hmm. like on the level of you know, the MCU is like our modern equivalent of that, I guess, something yes. to get invested at, like a series, but, right? Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, I, that would have uh, been quite an experience. I also did not obviously see it in the theaters. I think I didn't even see them like in full until like early high school. Um, yeah, I was. I have a confession to make, actually. Um, <laughs> oh boy! Okay, <laughs> we're starting uh, out with a confession. Nice. Yeah, um, I think it was 2012 that The Hobbit came out, right? Yeah. So I saw the first Hobbit movie before I ever saw any of the Lord of the Rings movies. And then I watched the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy and then, like, the second Hobbit movie, and I still haven't seen the last Hobbit movie. I think and I like <laughs> Lord of the Rings a lot better anyway. I think I did the exact same thing, to be honest with you. I'm pretty sure I saw oh, okay. the first Hobbit and then watched all the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it kind of got me into it. It certainly got me into the world. Yeah, so. that's for sure. So, uh, Carol, let's see yes. here. What, what would you say is your rankings of the three movies? I'm so glad you gave me a heads up for this because otherwise I probably wouldn't have thought about it and taken way too long. But I okay. think my final decision is my favorite movie, despite watching it in 10 parts, was The Two Towers. Hell yeah. Um, Hell yes. yeah. Was, as, do you guys agree? That's my favorite. That's, okay. um, that's my second favorite. Yeah. Okay. And then I think second place for me is Fellowship of the Ring, so the first one, and then Return mm. of the King is last. Very oh, okay. interesting. I've yes. honestly never heard that order really? from any <laughs> other friend before. Like, from my experience, it's always been either Two Towers or Return of the King is number one, and Fellowship mm. is always at the bottom. Yeah. So that's really interesting. Well, I was looking it up, and I think it was Return of the King won Best, Os- like best Film Oscar in 2004. I didn't yeah, re- fact check it, but it was on the wiki, and I was very surprised. Return of the King won, like, I think, like... 11, 11 Oscars. Oscars. <laughs> yeah. And it won everything it was nominated for, too. Yeah, That's which is pretty insane. crazy. Especially yeah. for, like, a trilogy movie. Just, like, some yeah, like thing a, about a second sequel. stuff. Yeah, that's insane to me. Yeah. But, yeah, no, they were good. I think that's my order. I really liked In the Two Towers... I like <laughs> surprise surprise. I really liked all the trees. That oh was my a god! <laughs> you like the worst part of that movie? The ends, yes. Oh my god! <laughs> they provided some nice comic relief. I'm a sucker for that. But you should that watch helped. the uh, the extended cut of it then, because the extended cut of Two Towers oh, yeah, has like so much more. Double the really? amount of end content. Yeah. Content. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, so my order, I guess, will like follow up with our orders, I guess. Yeah. Um, mine would be Return of the King and then Two Towers and then Fellowship. Mm-hmm. I just, like, every time I watch through the trilogy again, I get to Two Towers and I'm like, you know what? No, this one's my favorite one. Like, <laughs> I keep saying Return of the King, but it's this one. And then I get to Return of the King and I'm like, you know what? Yeah. No, it's Return of the King. There's just, like, between the Gondor battle and the battle at the Black Gate. It's just so emotional, and I just, I can't help every time but pick that one. Yeah, it really is like, going back and rewatching it now, it's such a proto, like, Avengers Endgame kind of it feeling really is, and yeah. ending. It's, like, so similar to that, but obviously, like, 
15 years before. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, um, I, I found that in the films, I was, like, watching them, obviously for the first time, but I was found a lot of connections to other genres and, like, newer movies that have come out, and I'm like, hmm, I wonder if it was inspired by Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings was pretty influential, I think, in terms of taking, like, genre it movies been, seriously. Yeah. Like, I yeah. think it really, yeah, kind of set And, like, that again, the fact that it won 11 Oscars is very, like, ahead of its time, I feel like. But yeah, I don't absolutely. think that would have happened like this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, of course not. I think it People was very would be much of its off. time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think um my order is Two Towers and then Return of the King and then Fellowship. I will say though, interestingly, and I'll be interested to see Carol like in the future at some point if you ever end up watching the like extended editions. Yeah. Um, because for the extended editions, I think I would swap Fellowship and Two Towers. Interesting. Um, like, I think the Fellowship Extended Edition is... I don't know. I mean, Fellowship is all about kind of the setup to the whole series, and I feel like having, like, a longer time with all the characters and stuff really helps the setup process, and it really makes Fellowship better. Um, whereas I think Return- that would have helped me. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, uh, like, Return of the King... And I think Dan and I have talked about this a little bit, but in the extended edition, they kind of changed the edit of a lot of the important stuff. Um, and, like, it works, like, fine. I mean, it's still a good movie, don't get me wrong. But um, I think I prefer the theatrical a lot more in that sense. Yeah, one of the... I don't... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, one of the one of the things in specific that we talked about was... So, like, in Return of the King, you have the whole... the Like, the ghost army showing up at the end. Yes. But, like... In the extended cut of Return of the King, you get, like, way more content with them earlier. Um, like, when he goes to the cave to get them, like, yeah. they agree to fight with him there. And then there's, like, a whole other oh. battle scene with them before the ending. Um, okay. Yeah, because yeah. Oh, right. Surprised. That battle scene wasn't in the theatrical either. Yeah, so it, it, like, it completely takes away the surprise. But I, it goes to, like, something else we were talking about, which is that the extended editions, like, were completely re-edited and made to be like like two halves of one bigger movie yes so like building upon that army of the dead mm. um scene like well i don't know i don't know if i should talk about it carol do you like <laughs> do you care if we talk about the extra extended edition stuff because like we can refrain if you're planning on no i think if, if i if i watch the extended it would probably be with you guys at some point i can't imagine me myself alone in my room ever sitting <laughs> down to watch okay. all of them so i'm i'm not that invested in the content of them if i do it'll just be to see it so go ahead okay well i mean it's not a huge spoiler it's not really a spoiler anyway but in that army of the dead scene like what marco was talking about is in the theatrical i think it's i haven't seen the theatrical in a long time but I think it's like Aragorn enters the cave mm-hmm. and simply asks them to fight, and then it's like it cuts. Yeah, to it cuts before the, the Gondor answer. battle, mm-hmm. and then it's like a surprise when they show up, right? Yeah. And then in the in the extended, which I actually think I think I prefer it this way, but um, like we actually get the answer of if they're gonna fight before, um, like before they cut away from Aragorn and all them, mm-hmm. and it's like the ghost guy comes out and he's like we fight and i really really think that's like just such a cool moment and it's also 
um, connecting to what Marco you just mentioned about all the movies being split in half for the extended where that's like pretty much at the end of disc one so it's an excellent little like midway conclusion and disc two I think starts immediately with like the continuation of um, that scene where they take over the ships coming in from like the north or whatever so it's really cool I like how it plays into the uh, the fact that it's split in two also yeah that that you're you're right about the the split there that is what happens and um yeah it's pretty interesting that you know i mean we were we we're kind of joking about it earlier how even with the blu-ray release <laughs> they still had it on two discs um even yeah, though they, which is kind of surprising there's probably enough storage for it to be on one disc right but i think yeah to what we were saying like going back to make those edits of it they really did treat it like we're completely cutting this movie together from scratch so at the end of every first disc there is kind of like a mini climax and um mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, it totally works for the extended edition but uh yeah for me there's just I, I always prefer that surprise ending um and i guess that's why i like fellowship and i mean there's other reasons as well but fellowship for me really gets a lot better in the extended i think of the three fellowship is the one that gets like the, the most benefit from yeah the it has the most benefit and i think that has to do with the fact that it's because it's like an intro so it's like the most amount of exposition is kind of better like it kind of serves the movie better um, yeah i see what you mean it builds the world a little more so yeah so carol let's talk about characters a little bit <laughs> any any standout characters for you that you really liked characters you didn't okay. like samwise is my absolute favorite yeah um i love him so much i Okay, so my notes are kind of a mess from each film. Like, it was very much, like, my train of thought. And so half of them end, like, start with just, like, oh, my God, this is happening. Oh, my God. And I remember distinctly during The Two Towers at one point writing, like, Frodo made Sam cry. I'm so mad at him. Oh, my God, of course. (laughs) Well, because it was towards the end where Frodo almost, like, kills Sam because, like, the ring makes him do it. And so Sam has to, like, get him to basically, like, come back to the good side and not be taken over by evil completely. And he's like, it's your Sam. It's your Sam. Come back. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so nice. But also, how are they not in a relationship together? I feel like they had a very romantic energy. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, they do. Are are Frodo and Sam, like, supposed to be low key gay? Like, is that that's like, what I'm saying? I had a note about that, but at the end, apparently, Sam's whole motivation is to just marry this woman who works in the bar. So I guess not. <laughs> I want. Well, I want to say it's like, I'm. It's. I want to say yes, but like, yeah, it seems unlikely for the time it was released. Unfortunately. Yeah. Thinking back that these came out in like the early 2000s right and that was i don't know i feel like that wouldn't have been like that overt during that time again unfortunately if yeah. that had been the case yeah, yeah and i feel I, like I, if if it came out now i feel like they would be less afraid to just like say because they were so focused on the development of their relationship through the three movies and then it, i just found it so random when i was watching the last one today and they were about to like die on this volcano and Sam was just like, oh, if I could marry that girl, like, she hasn't been mentioned at all since the first movie when he was too afraid to dance with her. Like, it just seemed like it made no sense at all. You'd think they'd right. talk about, like, their whole journey together because that's what they've been talking about up to this point. It was just so random that in death he randomly thought about this one bar lady and marries her in the end. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. I think 
I mean, even gonna go going back to the books here a little bit. Um, which you haven't read. Which I haven't read, but I know a little <laughs> bit of like the historical side of it, right? Because I'm pretty sure J.R.R. Tolkien. I I, I want to say like a lot of what he was writing about, like so for anyone who doesn't know, he was like a linguist, like a linguistics professor. Um, and like the whole creation of the books kind of came from him just fooling around with like linguistics and like world creation. Um, but I believe he was also like in the military, like in World War Two. Oh. And so yeah, I think he was. I think a lot of the Hobbits is supposed to be kind of based on him and just kind of regular guys that he knew that all ended up going in the war. You know. Um, yeah. So I don't think that like that's cool. The the theme of them being like gay was necessarily as present in the book i think it was more just like here's a bunch of like regular friends that ended up having to go to war type thing um but yeah it's interesting like spent all their time together yeah it's it it is interesting though that in in the movie like i think especially even like as time goes on i think you can definitely read into it more that way um and it'll come across more but back to characters in general yeah i loved sam i hated boromir i don't really think he (laughs) needed to be there (laughs) <laughs> I, do, I didn't like anyone in his family, to be honest. His dad oh. might be the worst person ever. Not even Faramir, though? No, I didn't like him either. Like, despite the second film being my favorite, the whole plot point of, like, him taking Frodo and Sam, I was just like, ah, I don't need it. I could have done without it. There could have been some other drama here with them. I just, yeah, I don't know. I wasn't into it. So that whole family... Not my favorite. Interesting. Yeah, that also (laughs) might be why the third movie is my least favorite. I mean, they obviously weren't, like, a big, big part of it, but just, like, there was a whole, like, section where, obviously, Pippin... Because it takes place in Gondor. Yeah, Pippin had to, like, go there and work for the king, and they all had to save him from burning him alive, which was also very bizarre to me, why he would want to burn his son alive. Yeah, that king, man, (laughs) that is a real... Like, cause I feel like Psycho. I feel like most of the other characters have, you know, like your typical kind of fantasy motivations and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that king is maybe the weirdest fantasy character ever. Like, I can't think of like it, it is inexplicable to me. And he's like the most. The funny thing is, he's one of the most grounded characters in this yeah. universe too. So the fact that he's one of the weirdest. Yeah, it is strange. I I don't like it. Yeah. I mean, I laugh at him, but like, yeah, no, it's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I also have an issue with you, Marco, because you gave me a warning before I watched the first film, and you're like, oh, it's kind of like a sausage fest. There's not a lot of women. True. But even in the end, there's only, like, three significant women in the whole series. So yeah, it never I didn't... really becomes that much less of a sausage well, fest. Well, not that it stopped being a sausage fest, but just that <laughs> there are a couple of cool female characters, at least, in it. Which, three. Like, there are again, three. The end. For sure, but again, like going back to <laughs> a lot of fantasy in general, I, I it is honestly kind of surprising to me to even get like those moments that we do get. You know, like I know that's kind of bad to say, but just like looking at a lot of the other things in the genre, or even look at something like like Harry Potter, right? Like, yeah, I, I, it's the same type of thing. It's like you have Hermione, but like Hermione's like, you know. I mean, so much of her purpose as a character, especially in the movies, like, it's more fleshed out in the books, but in the movies, it's like, Hermione just exists to get Harry from point A to point B without dying, (laughs) which is, like, really crappy, um, so, you know, as much as it is still a sausage party party at the end, like, to, to get that moment 
or the couple of moments that you do get, I was like, oh, okay, like, at least that's something, you know? Could have been a lot worse for the time period. By the moments that you get, do you mean when e- Eowyn, is that how you say her name? Eowyn? Eowyn, yeah. When she fights with everyone and she's trying to defeat that one black rider and he's like, no man can defeat me. And she takes off her helmet and says, I am no man. Is that what you mean? I mean, the- not that line of dialogue <laughs> in particular. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just her character in general, I thought was pretty cool overall. But I'm also not a woman, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually trying to think of... You were talking about three strong female characters. I'm struggling to... There's Eowyn, um What's the... Steven Tyler's the, daughter. What's her name? Arwen. Oh. Arwen, <laughs> played Tyler. by Liv Tyler. Yeah. And is then there, there's is there the someone lady, else? Of, lady of the Woods, Galadriel. Oh, Galadriel. Galadriel. That's right. Kate Blanchett. And the last two do almost nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is pretty bad. It's a lot on um, Awen's shoulders there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least I I will say, like going back to the Harry Potter example, at least their sole purpose isn't just to like further the plot of the guy protagonist. You know? Yeah, that is true. Like, at- yeah, like they have their own kind of plot lines. Yeah, they have their own plots. They have their own motivations. Their own character stuff. It's like. You know, I mean, at, at debatedly, Arwen doesn't really, because her... Yeah, mostly Eowyn. <laughs> yeah, mostly Eowyn. Mostly I, I guess Arwen. I'm really just talking about Eowyn, yeah. When you yeah think I mean, about it, okay, the Gladriel doesn't even have... She doesn't have she, a plot. She just freaks out in the so. woods for a little bit. Yeah, and she's like, ah, never mind. Yeah. Well, yeah, technically, okay. um, Frodo does see a vision of her after being attacked by the spider, and she helps him up, so there's that. Yeah, but again, that's just, like, helping the I actually did entirely forget that she was in the films, because when I went on IMDb today, I was, like, trying to type in, like, who played which characters and all the names, and I saw Gladriel, and I was like, who, what was that again? I don't, I don't remember seeing Kate Blanchett. Because she was in it for, like, two seconds. She is, yeah. Sorry, Kate. She's in it a bit more in the extended, but um, it's nothing, like, substantial. It doesn't matter that much. You mentioned, um, like, Frodo's vision. Or I don't even know, was it a vision I or just, like... I truly don't know. <laughs> he, like, heard her voice in Return of the King. I think my one, like, my one only actual problem with the with the series that's, like, kind of schlocky is the fact that they set that starlight thing up in the first movie, yeah. never mentioned it again, <laughs> and then it came back yeah. during, like, the climax of the last movie. But And it wasn't and really that helpful. Yeah, it just served as a light, and it didn't even really scare the spider off that much. Yeah, and I also realized, like, last time I rewatched was, like, I think, doesn't Sam blind it at some point? Yeah. So, like... <laughs> That serves no purpose after you blind the thing, right? Well, he blinds it towards the end, so he fights with it for sure. a while. <laughs> Stupid spiders. What is with fantasy and giant spiders? Can someone tell me that? I don't know. Because I always think of Aragog from Harry Potter when I yeah, get to that she loves scene. It's... Ugh. Oh my god. Ugh. Also, Aragorn's name, I kept thinking of Aragorn. You know, yeah. like the books with like the dragons. Oh, the dragon movie. Oh, you mean yeah, I know what you're talking about. Those early two, that early two thousands dragon movie with the books that were everywhere it's, for like yeah, five it's minutes. Based on a trilogy of books, I read I think the first two, maybe half of the last one. I already can't remember. 
but so every time I kept wanting to write down Aragon, but I had to add that extra R in. Yeah. Every time I want to say Frodo, I always accidentally say Fredo, and that's just, that's a whole thing. Oh, really? Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like from Godfather? Oh, you know it. He's also <laughs> just as ineffectual. Frodo, listen, nice guy. He is just, not the protagonist of this film. He is. Like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> a waste of space. You should have just given it to Samwise at the start. <laughs> Samwise would have done it. You know what I mean? Sam. Frodo's like, no, Sam. Like, you can't do it. I have to do it. I'm like, Frodo, just shut up. Like, you're just the worst. Yeah, I didn't understand that. Why couldn't Sam do it? Because it's not like he couldn't take the ring. Because he did when he thought Frodo was dead. So what? Well, it's not that like he. It's not that he literally couldn't. It's like he didn't want it. He didn't want to pass it on to Sam, mm. and I like I know Marco, you were joking how, I like definitely Frodo's useless. Yep, jokes, <laughs> right? That was a joke, right? But um, like I think the point is, the person that would have gotten it, like when Frodo got it, they would have been corrupted just the same. Like Sam probably would have been corrupted just the same, and they need that like that partner to like help them along. You know, like the scene where. Sam doesn't carry the ring, but he carries the ring carrier. Yeah. True. It's kind of like very impressive, a also. The ring. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Sam is very strong. I don't so, think I could carry yeah, I know, my right? friend up a mountain. Yeah, I always think about that too because it's like whenever I picture that scene in my head, it's always like they're at the they're at the entrance, right? No. And he's just gonna no. It's like they are at the base of the mountain, and this guy is yeah. climbing up a volcanic mountain with Frodo, which is hard enough on your own. Yeah. When yeah. you're not carrying anything. It's like my God, man. Sam Wise, the boy. So on this topic of Frodo, though, I have an interesting conversation that Dan and I have had not recorded, but it'll be interesting to get your thoughts on this as well. Um, It has to do with the ending, really, because it's weird because the movie ends in a way that makes you think that, like, Frodo completed the hero's journey, except Frodo literally fails at the end of the movie. Like, he is 100% failed, and the only reason the ring gets destroyed is that Gollum, like, bites his finger off in their fight. Um, Which, seemingly, like, it shouldn't work, right? Like, from the rules of, like, storytelling, you know, like, Frodo failed at his journey, so he shouldn't get to have, like, the happy ending or whatever, because, you know, that's just, like, the rules of storytelling. You're not supposed to be able to do that, but somehow the ending still feels satisfying. Um, I have a theory on this. Which is that I don't think Frodo's ending is really actually the happy ending. Um, And I think that ties into Samwise a little bit too. Because even though Sam and this girl is like stupid and ridiculous and like (laughs) it makes no sense. I'm totally with you. It's not set up at all. But I think it's important to show that, you know, Frodo coming back to the Shire, like he can't meet someone, even if it is a stupid person that, you know. And, like, he can't... <laughs> Even if it is stupid. Yeah, and he has to... Like, yeah, him I don't go- think the bar lady is stupid, just for the record. <laughs> well, she's one, of the only, she's one of the only four characters, four female characters in this franchise, and she doesn't even speak once on camera. Um, but I think, I, I think, like, Frodo leaving and going on the boat at the end of the movie, even though it's almost played as, like, this happy ending, like, our heroes did it, is actually, like... Like, he straight up failed. Like, that's him, like, accepting that he, like, failed at his task, and even though the task got completed, like, because of the rules of storytelling, he can't actually go back to having a regular life, you know? Yeah, like, 
Frodo kind of gets the tragic ending, yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. And Sam gets the happy ending. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, Sam ultimately is... It, it's interesting, like, Carol, what you said about Frodo, like, not even, like, being the protagonist because he's so, like, yeah. ineffectual. <laughs> it, it's really interesting how... I, I think the reason it works, and I don't know if, like, Tolkien does this on purpose because, again, like, the guy's just, like, a linguist... I mean, like, not to, not, not to, like, dim- <laughs> he's just, he's just, a just a not to d- diminish his importance, but I, <laughs> his approach to this wasn't as, like, I am a literary, like, pure novelist or whatever. So yeah. I think it, it almost, like, accidentally works, but it's because I think, like, Frodo and Sam together, like, constitute the protagonist of Lord of the Rings, you know? That's really interesting. Yeah. I've never thought about it that way. And it's like Frodo fails. And Sam succeeds, and so even though the ending feels happy, because even though, like, Frodo technically gets the sad ending, you're ultimately left with Sam being able to come back, and it's, you know, it kind of works that way. It kind of circumvents the traditional structure. I think that helps... really cool. Yeah, I think that helps me with the ending, because I was kind of confused as to why they would want Frodo on that boat with him. Because personally, I don't see what value he would bring. I think it just, like, so happens that he got this ring because his uncle had it. I don't really think anything about his character makes him necessarily, like, a good hero. Yeah. Like, I feel like, if anything, Sam had those characteristics. So, yeah, that kind of being, like, a sad ending, not like a punishment, but, like, the fact that that's not what he wanted probably in the end makes more sense to me. as Because I kind of saw it as, like, he is this great hero and they he is indispensable so he must continue on with this group of heroes but that makes more sense the way you explained it it's interesting too because like when you think about this boat that they're all going on and they're literally sailing into the sunset it's like the ultimate joke of like at the end of a movie right (laughs) but you think about all the characters that are leaving like it's first of all the elves that are leaving and the elves yeah. are leaving because their time on Earth has ended. And then, yeah. like, his uncle is leaving. His uncle, who is an ultimate sketch crackhead, who, like, stole... <laughs> like, literally, like, if you... Like, and when you watch The Hobbit, I mean, ultimately, the story of The Hobbit is the story of this low-key guy who gets this ring and then kind of becomes infatuated with it um, and kind of becomes a bad person. Um, and then Frodo goes, and then I think Gandalf goes too, right? Yeah. Gandalf goes, yeah. So it's interesting because even though it's like they're all sailing off into the sunset, it's like a bunch of people that are like going somewhere because like their time is up. They're done. Yeah, like the elves are done. Gandalf came back specifically to finish this and now he's done. And it's not really like going off to be happy. It's more like going off to your like like death like it's literally death of just like now it's it's nothing like you're done. You're it's like retirement. Yeah, yeah, it's not. And that's the way I think about it is like. Frodo is definitely the tragic character, much like Gollum, right? Yeah. And and Bilbo too, because he never he never really moves on. Like how do you even move on after the journey that they went through? And he never um like his his wound from Weathertop never heals, which yeah. I think is like the most literal way they could have um portrayed him never actually moving on. Yes, for sure. And so yeah, I think you're totally right. Like even though maybe when we were younger we would have perceived it as oh everything's great now because the world has been saved and like they can go live their life um i think you put it the best i don't, I don't think that's actually what's happening at, at the end there yeah it's just an interesting 
I think in a lot of ways, as much as Lord of the Rings kind of invents so much about, like, what we consider, like, you know, now, like, fantasy tropes, um, it, it's also, like, really smart about the ways that it doesn't fall into those tropes, and, I like, the idea of, like, riding off into the sunset is, like, such a joke now in so many things, but, yeah, I, I think it's just really done in, in like, a, a clever way here. Um, sorry, so we got, like, derailed there from the character talk. That's okay, that was an int- yeah. interesting conversation. <laughs> So, Carol, it's time now we talk about objectively the best, well, the two best uh, Lord of the Rings characters, okay? Okay, I'm very we're gonna start as to who this first is going to be. Okay, the first one is Gollum. we got to talk about really? Gollum. Really? The best Lord of the what? Rings character? I mean, he's, he's like, legendary. He is the mm. ultimate Lord. What do you think of Gollum? Let's, let's get your Gollum. <laughs> Talking about Gollum. Gollum thoughts here, yes. folks. Well, Gollum, initially, I didn't think he would be as big of a player as he ended up being. I mean, I guess I should have assumed. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, wh- what's his deal? Is he, like, does he have multiple personality disorder? Like, what, what's with the us and the Gollum Smeagol duality? Do you guys know? Or do, does the audience know? Or are we just supposed to, like, know something vaguely? is wrong in his head i've always like perceived it as when the ring started to corrupt him Gollum became his like like a second personality like you said yeah same. and smeagol like the hobbit that once was is sort of um like subservient mm. i guess yeah i thought i heard him like when they did the flashback to him as a human before they found the ring i thought he talked about himself in like multiple as multiple persons before the ring even existed but maybe i'm wrong that's interesting i I don't remember that but yeah if oh yeah i I might remember what you're talking are you do you mean like when he says like give it to us yeah okay that's that is interesting because i actually noticed that too the last time i watched it and i i i assumed I, i might be wrong but i assumed it's because like that's his first encounter with the ring mm. the first time he ever knew it existed you know yeah maybe that like sparked some of like that was his response to it yeah yeah i don't know that's that's why i was like oh has he always had both of these personalities and just they became stronger when he had the ring but anyway yeah so Gollum was interesting i mean i knew he would obviously throw a wrench in the plan at some point i didn't think when he showed up he would just nicely lead them to where they needed to go (laughs) (laughs) um but in the last movie i was just very angry at him all the time (laughs) especially when he made frodo tell sam to like stay behind because he thought he like ate all the food and told him that he was gonna try to steal the ring i was so angry Especially because obviously we've discussed Sam as my favorite character. I was very upset. Yeah, that's the what worst. Was, what was his fate in the end? I don't think I remember. Gollum. Yeah. He falls. Oh yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah. How he did falls I into. <laughs> Go- Gollum is the hero of the story, dude. He's straight up. He's the one that he ends up destroying the, the ring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that i think that makes sense to me he's been alive for 500 years he he deserves to to be at peace eventually yeah my favorite part about that shot too is like when he impacts with the lava he did like you can tell by his face he doesn't even feel it or care like even in his last seconds he's just focused on the ring which is just 
so sad. Yeah. yeah, well, that's the last thing that goes under. Like, he keeps his hand out yeah. specifically to try to save it. Poor Gollum, man. We've all been there. <laughs> have we? Have you? <laughs> I've definitely, I've definitely been there. The, um, the other character I was going to bring up now that we need to talk about is Gandalf. Yes. Oh, really? I thought I totally thought the second character was going to be Aragorn. Oh, well, we can talk about Aragorn, too. But I want to... Gandalf is weird because <laughs> he's one of those characters that, like, just knows stuff when he needs to know stuff, but then doesn't when he... Like, he is such a plot device, but also... I don't know if, like how well it works in the books, but in the movies with Ian McKellen playing him, it's like you can't not just. Love yeah, you're him. right. Like he is—he's yeah. totally a plot device, but he—he he has such a great character as well, so it's fine. Yeah, it—it it totally works. Carol, what was your reaction to Gandalf dying in Fellowship? Okay, well, when he was first introduced, I didn't know if he was going to genuinely be a good character, like, at the very beginning in the Shire, when he was trying to, like, help Bilbo with the ring and get it from him and all that stuff. I was like, are there ulterior motives here? What's going on? Like, eventually, by the time he, like, talks to to Saruman, I'm like, okay, he's, like, good, good. But um, when he dies, I was like, there's no way that this is his actual end. Like, it was just so... I don't know, so pathetic almost? Like, he was up against this big creature, fine, but then in the end he doesn't really die because the creature kills him. He, like, dies because the creature knocks him to the edge and he just isn't able to hold on. Yeah. And I was like, there's, like, that's kind of pathetic. Like, for such a, like, grand character, there's no way this is his end. So, like, I wasn't really that upset. I was like, I don't know what they're gonna do, but they're gonna do something and he's gonna be back. Like, there's just no way his end is because he couldn't hold on to the edge of this cliff. Right, right. So I, I was kind How of unaffected. Do we know? Uh, I'm wondering. I don't know. I think he's like super. I think it's like at least a thousand years, but I, I'm not sure. I Do you guys want me to Google thousands. it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me Google, Google it, guys. How <laughs> Important old question. Is Yandalf? Okay, let's see. Approximately two thousand and nineteen years old. <laughs> okay oh god all right that is very old man he didn't live to 2020 eh? nope well lucky him (laughs) because we all did and let me tell you something folks it's been a hell of a year um but yeah i don't know he was a good character why did he have to change his name when he came back is there a reason because he's he's not gray anymore (laughs) yeah now he's white right of course I think so, like, this is just me brainstorming, but I think the, and totally not in a racist way, but I think the white form of every wizard is supposed to be, like, the most elevated, most wise form. Uh, Like, I'm assuming that Saruman was once gray or whatever, or a different color, and, like, he elevated to the white cloaks or whatever. I don't know. Maybe he died, too, and came back. I have no idea, but... So, um... Again, totally not in a racist way, but what I've what I've always taken from it is that in the wizarding race, the like whoever has the title of the white, like Dan said, is like the leader. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a line of dialogue. Yeah. I forget exactly what he says, but when he's first revealed in Two Towers to Aragorn and Legolas, yeah, um, he has some kind of dialogue about like being brought back or whatever and I, I feel like the idea is supposed to be that like 
I don't know, the universe or, like, magic brought him back because Sauron has been corrupted, that he's, like, the gonna be, like, the good white wizard, you uh. know? Like, Saruman isn't... He may be the white wizard in title, but, like, he's kind of not that anymore. So, like, the... Wizards need their new yeah. leader because he can't fulfill it. That's that's interesting. That's always kind of how I took it, but it's not made explicit, like, a lot of things in this. So, um... It's cool to think about, though. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea. Speaking of Legolas, that's an interesting <laughs> character, right? Orlando Bloom just shooting arrows. I really totally do <laughs> forgot that he was in this film. Uh, because, like, despite not seeing it, obviously, because it's just so big in pop culture, I know a lot about it. Like, even the Eye of Sauron, I feel like, has been talked about in podcasts I listen to and stuff. Like, a lot of the names of characters and places, I was just like, yeah, of course, like, I know that. And so I just knew that a blonde-haired Orlando Bloom was in this film, and then I completely forgot till I saw him, and I got very excited. And then he wasn't that big of a deal like he was part of the fellowship and like yeah he was in the wars and stuff but i don't think he was that like like they just didn't make him do anything memorable really there's a really funny tweet that i saw that's like it's like a like it's like legolas and it's a quote from him saying to frodo i saw you like this yeah he's like (laughs) uh you have my bow when they're all saying stuff and then it's like yeah, and then they never spoke for the entire rest of the series. <laughs> it's like, yeah. they make such a big deal of that, and then literally they don't interact, like, once. Yeah. Gimli, too, yeah. Same with Gimli. That, that's a great scene. That's a great, awesome moment. But, yeah, it's just pretty funny to think about the fact that we literally don't see Frodo <laughs> interact with anyone besides, like, Aragorn, Gandalf, and Samwise. And Boromir well, before he snaps. Yeah, barely even Merry and Pippin. Oh, yeah, yeah, barely Merry and Pippin. <laughs> Even then, I feel like Legolas and Gimli were only there to interact with each other. Like, they were just there for that, like, silly little elf-dwarf friendship dynamic they had going on. Sure. But, like, yeah. that's kind of it. I love that friendship, though. <laughs> it was a real, yeah. It was Yeah, good. they're pretty hilarious together. They're good, like, comic relief, but not in a, like, stupid way, because they actually are also, like, useful characters, but, yeah. Yeah, and I do think, personally, I do think that, like, even Legolas has some cool moments. He's obviously not a very deep character, but yeah, I don't know. Like especially during the uh, the Two Towers Helm's Deep battle, he has some good moments there. Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting. I I think I don't think in the books again as someone who has never read them, but just has <laughs> some context for them. Uh, I don't think he was ever as important as a character which is why like there's not as much for him to do in the movies but obviously they cast Orlando Bloom so I think it was kind of like let's just give him cool shit show him as much as possible yeah let's give him cool shit to do in the battles and that'll make up for the fact that he's kind of nothing and doesn't care about really anything has no motivation but Um, I did write that in the some of my notes were specifically Orlando Bloom going down the stairs on a shield cool <laughs> that is cool i can't deny that that's a really cool moment have to agree so he was there for fun moments like that <laughs> yeah and i liked his little game with gimli where they like keep count of how many people they kill yeah, yeah. that's really at, cool. one, at one point aragorn has to throw gimli over to like a platform where everyone's battling and he says okay fine throw me but don't tell legolas that's such a great moment i love that it just I love the way he says it too. Don't tell the elf. He's just like, all right, throw me. And Aragorn's like, what? What did you just say? And he's like, you can throw me. But yeah, just don't tell the elf. It's so good. Um, 
what are your so yeah carol what are your favorite battles since we're talking about that i know you're not a super like action person so i'm kind of interested to hear your thoughts on the action stuff in this because it is pretty like i mean for the time and even now it kind of holds up as being some of the best on-screen like war stuff so yeah thinking thinking back i also think the reason that return of the king is my last like least favorite film is because it was just a bunch of battles and as you mentioned before that's not like my draw to films typically sure um but surprisingly i did really love the battle in the second film i don't remember helm's deep is that what it was called yeah yeah i really liked just like the setup of that and the dynamics and all of the the ladders and the the catapults like just they kept throwing curveballs in your direction, which I really loved. Um, it's like one of the rare times I was like amused and enthralled by like a fight scene because normally I just kind of like zone out for those. <laughs> but yeah, no, they were very entertaining. Um, I think that's probably why the movies were so long because they wanted to focus on the battles so, so much which me as a person didn't need, but, like, I understand <laughs> why it fits in with the story and, like, why it's so, like, revolutionary, especially at the time. Because, like, the effects were great. They had a lot of people there fighting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and some great practical effects, too. Like, gotta respect that costuming department for what they did. Yeah, it's pretty... Some great, great stuff. It's pretty crazy. I, I think it, it fell into that sweet spot, yeah, where it's, like, we can't really do everything with CGI, so we're going to have to do a lot of this practical, but also understanding and, like, having, like, the best CGI people in the world do the parts, like, that you need to be done, and it really kind of comes together. Um, yeah, to what you're saying, Carol, I think, like, everyone kind of thinks Helm's Deep is the best. I don't know, Dan, I don't think you and I have ever, like, specifically critiqued the battles, but... Rank the battles. <laughs> yeah. For me, it's always Helm's Deep too. I, I just feel like it's, like, the best-paced battle i've ever seen on film because to what you're saying it's like every time something starts to feel like okay just action there's like some new element that changes in it um like yeah like whether it's the ladders whether it's like them blowing up the wall or even just like like just cutting to a new character doing something fun and cool and it, it like it goes on for the perfect amount of time and it's just so well put together um and like return of the king again great battles not gonna say that's not true but um, yeah, I don't know. Just something about Helm's Deep like always comes together for me as like just endlessly rewatchable and just like the most well put together battle. Yeah, I'd have to agree actually with Helm's Deep being number one. And I think like I think most of the reason why Return of the King is my favorite is because the combination of the two major battles in that right. movie. But like in terms of single battles, I'd have to agree definitely Helm's Deep. Like you said, the pacing is like spot on. Um, that moment when the orc charges with the torch into the wall is like probably my favorite part to be honest. Oh, it's so good. It's so awesome. I wrote it's, in my notes yeah, who is this Mad Max orc? <laughs> she does look very Mad, Mad Max. Max. That's great. I also just love how the battle starts. Like they're all just like poised and it's this super tense moment and like the ten the tension is like so perfectly broken with the one guy just accidentally firing the arrow. It's like I don't know. It's such like a silly thing. Like I can imagine someone pitching that and being like, Oh, that's dumb. Like really? But like it works so well in the movie as like a start to everything. It's just yeah, it's great. Yeah, well the thing is too, like it one of the reasons it works is because they're talking about before the battle how most of the soldiers are like 
kids and old men. Yeah. So, like, none of these people are professionally trained, right? Yeah. yeah. Which kind of makes that moment, I feel I feel like it makes it a little more dramatic. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You're right. And also, I think it ties into what we were talking about with, um, like, this being, a, like, based a lot on the idea of, like, regular people fighting in World War II. Um, it kind of plays into that idea, right? Of a lot of the times you see with, like, uh, the, like, men of Gondor or whatever, they're not all soldiers. And that's kind of a theme that spreads across... Um, pretty much all the movies honestly yeah. but yeah yeah and with Helm's Deep 2 it's like the situation is like uh, they're literally backed into this canyon right they're surrounded by walls and they're in this sort of an equivalent to like an emergency bunker I think that yeah contributes a lot to the desperation as well yeah absolutely so uh, my next question for you Carol is gonna be we've been you know we've, we've touched on it a little bit here and there but Aragorn um, yes. as a character so at least for me and I was talking with Dan about this but on this rewatch for me it, it really kind of hit me like oh Aragorn is like my the my best. favorite like he is the best <laughs> and he he might be my favorite like the the whole trope of like uh you're the at uh, the rightful king and you need to come back and like become king is like really overdone but yeah it's really cliche oh my god generally. like Aragorn and like Vigo Mortensen like playing him is just it's so perfect and it's never like it's always like confident but not in a way that's like annoying like i'm the best but like i don't know it's just great and i've always loved it but uh what what are your thoughts on that yeah i also really liked him as a character i think he was the most useful for sure i love how you're Um. ranking everyone based on their usefulness you're like frodo not useful definitely shouldn't go to the afterlife I just think if this is a whole <laughs> trilogy based on accomplishing one task, then the usefulness is a very important way to rank the characters. Okay, fair how, point. How useful were they in them? Okay, also, I need to admit that when I got to the end of the first film, I truly <laughs> expected them to be at the Eye of Sauron with the ring. I oh don't know God. why. And so then it just ended, and I was like, oh, wait, this is happening at the end of the third movie? What's in the middle? Well, I'm actually I'm actually still surprised that they make it, they technically make it to Mordor, like, halfway through the second movie. Yeah, yeah just the but. outside. But and back to Aragorn, um, yeah, he was... I, it made sense. I liked how he was introduced, especially how the first film started with, obviously, the history of the ring and how it was with... I mean, was that... It wasn't his father who had it, was it? No, it was like... I think it was like a thousand years ago, it's like, okay. but he was... Yeah, it's one of his ancestors. A descendant. He's a descendant, yeah, yeah. Um, so I liked how then he was kind of revealed slowly. Like, initially, we didn't know like who he was or how he was tied into the story at all. He was just what did they call him? The the striker or something? Strider. Strider. Close enough. I almost got <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, no, he he kept the plot going for sure, and like tied in a lot of different elements. But yeah, I don't know. He seemed almost like supernatural to me. I mean, I know he wasn't, but he really <laughs> should have died quite a few times. He's just that cool. <laughs> and he's like in with the elves too. Yeah. Even though he's totally not know the only thing i don't like about him and it, it, it this is something i know for a fact from the books all right so don't no one at me and be like marco's never read the books like i know this for a fact is that his whole romantic subplot doesn't actually like exist in the books um oh. so like what's the, what's Liv tyler character's name i always forget Eowyn? Arwen. Arwen. yeah they have the exact same name there's like one letter difference <laughs> so in the books arwin 
has this like it might not even be in the story proper it might be in like the appendices of just like the world building um her whole thing of like wanting to stay on earth because she's like in love with this guy or whatever it's just like a subplot and you never really find out who the guy is but that was something that they were like you know what like we can attribute this to aragorn um and give him that kind of romantic kind of subplot throughout the movie so that's what they did uh and to me that's like my least like the least interesting part of the story because i feel like it just kind of comes in and out and i never really care one way or the other um yeah i don't know it just that that part for me always feels a little weak but i i guess it makes sense considering that it was never supposed to be attributed to him in the first place but then in the okay. in the books does he still have this tie to the elf world and like know the language despite not being in love with this elf woman yeah i believe so and i think it's just be, like through his friendship with legolas right because they're be- like best friends or whatever for some reason they know each other you don't get that at all in the movies though until no. like they actually meet yeah but yeah as far as i know like they had some kind of history together and that was his tie um to the elf world but yeah in the movies it's really overblown that he's like madly in love with Liv tyler and then there's like the weird like i don't know like because then when they go to gondor and he meets the chick there he's like they kind of like flirt a lot and it's like it, that for me is just like the most like generic like oh it's a movie so we have to do this because like every movie has to have this type of thing in it and it you know i mean in three hour long movies like if you wanted to cut something for me that would be the one thing where it's like we don't need this i get it i like him i don't need to like relate with him like having a love interest it just seems kind of silly yeah it didn't really further the plot in any meaningful way i think yeah yeah i I kind of agree with what you're saying about him and eowyn but i also I don't know. I think um, I like his little like love story with Arwen because I, I feel like that's the strongest thing driving him throughout the trilogy. Sure. I mean, besides you know, going on to rule a kingdom. Yeah, and impending but... doom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. Death, but it's interesting too, right? Because I haven't watched the theatricals in so long, and I'm basing a lot of this off of the extended cuts. And I know in the extended cuts, there's like a lot of like flashbacks to them, and it's just a lot of like the same kind of theme being repeated over and over i wonder if like watching it in theatrical form if that opinion would change um i haven't seen it in a while but yeah Possibly. also i do need to admit that during the third film i looked down at one point and it was when everyone was having a party after like legolas and everyone was reunited with mary and pippin um i looked down and when i looked back up um Aragorn was talking to Eowyn and I for some reason was convinced that this was their wedding reception and that they had just gotten married so up until the end of the third movie I thought that they were married and then he was still thinking and dreaming about Arwen and I'm like but you have a a new wife what's going on so I had to google that and correct Mm. myself because I was very confused for a second hey listen you watched all these movies for the first time this week like (laughs) i i have seen them many times and i've seen the extended editions and i'm still very confused a lot of the times and don't know a lot of the character names like it is so dense (laughs) with content yeah it was a long week it was a long day yeah Yeah, i bet i bet (laughs) um what else have we missed any any major characters any major plot things that happen well i actually i've 
it's not really it's not a plot thing per se but i kind of wanted to ask like there's quite a few speeches throughout the trilogy given by characters Mm -hmm. like a good handful of them and i was wondering like which one maybe was your guys's most memorable or like favorite like there's i love like um gandalf's speech to pippin about death during um the gondor battle in return of the king there's like sam's little speech at the end of two towers yeah i think that was the one that i initially gravitated to um it was cheesy as heck but i was like oh this is a good way to end the film like i like that a lot (laughs) yeah i think it was heartwarming so this is tough i think i i really like the moment of like the people from Gondor coming in to save the day, like in the Return of the King battle, when he's like riding up and down and like hitting all their swords with his sword or whatever. I don't really like that speech per se. Like it's fine, but I really yeah. like that moment and I like how they bring in like the musical theme again when like all the riders come down the hill. It's like it's a really awesome moment. I actually think my favorite moment of just like one character saying something really cheesy, which is like basically every speech in this movie is just a character talking for a long time and saying something cheesy. Um, and my favorite one isn't necessarily a speech to a large group of people, but I love Aragorn and Frodo at the end of Fellowship. Um, when I think like Frodo offers him the ring, right? Where like something happens and he's like, oh, or he's like, will you try to take this from me? I don't know. It's something like that. And then Aragorn just like closes Frodo's hand and he says like, I would have gone with you to the very steps of Mordor or something like that. Um, I forget the actual like phrasage of what he says but like that moment for me really stuck out this time where i was like oh that's like a really cool interesting moment that like works and is like kind of cheesy but not like overtly cheesy i don't know it was just a really cool moment for me yeah i agree well that was right before they had to part ways right because yeah aragorn had to stay back to fight everyone off and like keep track of everyone else and yeah let frodo and sam go ahead yeah it's just it's a really it's a cool moment. It's a cool character moment for Aragorn, too, because we just see Boromir be such a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, so for Aragorn to be like, I recognize that I would just be a problem if I came along, but also, <laughs> like, when I said, like, you have my sword, like, I legitimately meant that. Like, I'm not just flaking out. Like, I know this is just what's best for you type thing. <laughs> it's a cool moment. It's really complex. I like it. Yeah, even with Merry and Pippin, like, they see Frodo leaving, and they're like, all right, he, this is what he has to do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like in a lot of other fantasy, um, I'm not going to call anything out here, but, you know, Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> listen, I like Harry... Let's well, well, just put this out there. I like Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling is a sketch. Um, yeah. But... We'll definitely do a Harry Potter We'll have Potter to, because Carol hasn't seen Harry Potter either, so... What? She's saying, I think I... you saw the first two and hated them, right? Yes. I think I fell asleep during the majority. <laughs> That's totally fair. Those film. are my least favorite of the entire series. Yeah, those two are brutal. They're really hard to get through. Yeah. Just they're so long. If we do want ever do an episode on those, please give me longer than a week heads up, please. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one who said and we were like we should do this and you were like, I will watch them all in a week and I was like, Okay. <laughs> well you guys said you were free Saturday, so I was like, Okay, I'm I'm in it for the team. I can do this. Yeah. And They'll, I did, for the record. Well, you did good. You did. A, you had a real Frodo moment oh, yeah, there. Totally. We kind of had to carry you to the end, but <laughs> you made it. No, the only reason I brought up Harry... Why did I bring up Harry Potter again? What was I talking about? Um, you didn't want I to have no idea. <laughs> you didn't want to throw shade. We were oh, talking oh, no, about here's what characters. It is. Okay. 
we were talking about how Frodo leaves and everyone's like, yes. yeah, that's what's best for the story. In Harry yeah. Potter, I feel like multiple times per movie and book, there is a character who tries to do something on their own and then everyone gets pissed off at them. And it's just like this false drama <laughs> bullshit. Like, remember it like in, in Goblet of Fire, like it happens with Ron and Harry and like it is insufferable in the book. In the book, it is like chapters and chapters of Ron just being all pissed that like Harry's going to be in the tournament. And Harry's like, what is your... Pr-? And like admittedly like it's like yeah like this is such false like we just need something to happen here and it's boring and it doesn't ring true it's like that it's like you know like in old sitcoms where it's like if two people literally just talked for like five seconds the episode wouldn't happen um (laughs) yeah and so i'm really glad we don't have that like I, i love that like when frodo leaves everyone kind of acknowledges like cool like we know what he's doing and we're gonna trust him and we have our own thing that we have to do as well and it doesn't create like false drama there's actually a lot of other interesting stuff going on in the story yeah and even speaking of harry potter what i thought you were going to mention is every single every single time (laughs) harry goes off to do something hermione and ron are just like yeah well you know we're coming with you right like we have to (laughs) this should just be a dunking on harry potter podcast because (laughs) literally no dan's not okay with that literally every time harry harry's like i have to do this because i am the chosen one and then ron and hermione are like harry come on and then he's like okay and that's it like there's nothing it's not like harry ever went off on his own and failed and then had to like learn to let his friends help it's just like just a conversation for the sake of having the conversation and it's really dull after a while um like don't get me wrong harry potter it's i mean it's one of my favorite like fantasy series but yeah you're totally right. yeah i mean and and to be fair i think harry potter uh, at its inception anyway was definitely like for kids more than this was so it kind of makes sense that even as the stories matured like a lot of the i guess you can say like tropes that she established in the world kind of continue on you know throughout the stories where it's like we've developed the language here and this is just who harry ron and hermione are and even though it's a little bit childish like you kind of have to keep it that way because if you made it too different then it wouldn't really ring true anymore so but I think that's also why I was surprised that at the end of the first movie, even the main group of people that you come to know is like the team that is going to get rid of this ring was so divided. And I was like, oh, the rest of the movies are going to be like this. OK, I'm in. But then also it made so that you had to pay attention to more distinct storylines. And I was like, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> it, it is a lot. Um... Three completely different places. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely a lot. Yeah. I'd also say it's one of my favorite like aspects of the trilogy, though. Yeah. I think my favorite, one of my favorite moments in Two Towers is the introduction of Aragorn, Gimli, and Legolas, where it's like the super wide shots of them running over hills yeah. and yeah. like the heroic music. It's like, oh, okay, we're picking up with these characters now. And like Aragorn is almost everyone's favorite. So that feels like such a grand moment. Yeah, yeah. that is a really, it's awesome. I mean, yeah, and to what you're saying, Dan, I also agree. It, it it just feels like, yeah, it just feels so much more interesting because it's not the typical thing that you would do in a movie like this. Um, and, like, not to say that you can't make a movie like that and also have it be interesting. I mean, there's plenty of, I mean, like we said, Harry Potter is, like, pretty good all the way through. And even Star Wars kind of has that trope of, like, well, there's a team and maybe we'll break up for a little bit. But always by the end of every movie, we'll come back together. Star Wars is, uh, that's a different, that's a totally I know. I got to be careful when I say Star Wars because it's just going to, I'm going to snap. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's still, 
as much as it like has inspired so many tropes it's so crazy to look back and be like well it still does all of them the best and like the most unique in a lot of ways yeah it's aged mostly like in 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 most areas it's aged extremely well yeah like in the action scenes a lot of the effects like are obviously dated for today but when you consider the time that it came out i mean it's super impressive and then like the grandiosity of the story and the characters i think is still amazing yeah absolutely and i think also um going to what you're saying about it aging well i mean you know to go back to what we were talking about earlier the fact that you can kind of watch it and even have this reading of it of like maybe like frodo and sam you know are like if not gay at least like there there is some hint of like maybe they are like bisexual or you know what i mean like and yeah like we're still getting new things out of every rewatch yeah because there's there's so much content to it yeah you know? and even if that wasn't like necessarily the author's intent which i'm fairly certain it wasn't <laughs> again because yeah <laughs> as you've established J.R.R. tolkien and me best friends i know everything about him but um have you watched the movie about him do you remember when marco was like downplaying his uh linguistics degree? yeah <laughs> he's just a linguist guys <laughs> um but I, I i think like as with most things that are like well done and well written or whatever it does kind of have a life of its own that you can read into um and uh yeah and i mean uh, you know to what to what like i was joking about carol earlier like really the only place where it kind of falls flat is like i guess you would say like representation really because there isn't like there's like fantasy elements in it but it's like they're all pretty much just white and men, and men yeah that's yeah. definitely the major <laughs> yeah. flaw and the lack of like female characters yeah absolutely i mean you know and that's why i said it's mostly aged well I yeah mean, yeah that is the thing besides those areas at yeah. least there's nothing explicitly racist about oh yeah it. No. you know what i mean like it's yeah. not it's not like we're watching freaking uh what's it called like birth of a nation no or anything oh my God. Like that. <laughs> no for sure it's yeah I, it is one of those things and again like obviously movies made in the early 2000s but based on books from the 1950s so you know i understand if you're gonna do a faithful adaptation that that kind of stuff probably wasn't wasn't in the books in the first place so um but i even to i mean we were joking about the ends earlier but like there was <laughs> literally a subplot about like environmentalism <laughs> in the movie which yeah. is like true it's really cool deforestation <laughs> yeah yeah and it didn't feel like shoehorned in at least not for me no anyway. and like i mean carol you're obviously probably the biggest like climate person between the three of us you can maybe speak to it climate person. i don't know like i don't know how to what do you want me to say she's the biggest she's the climate one i'm the environmentalist like a climate activist. Climate i activist. Listen, dan is the professional one I am in what respect, <laughs> Dan? In all, in all respect, Dan. <laughs> I am J.R.R. Tolkien's best friend, right? And Carol and Mark Zuckerberg's best friend. Yeah, and Carol is the environment. <laughs> <laughs> That's those are our, one with the earth. Those are our roles in this podcast. <laughs> I'm glad that we established that, and it's going to be consistent with every single. Yeah, every episode, episode. <laughs> even when we're not talking about something J.R.R. Tolkien related. <laughs> I'll just tell you guys Marco's his views. Marco's gonna have to put in a fact, yeah. Yeah, on every topic. One thing about the Ents, though, is I was a little frustrated at the fact that they took so long to confer, and then everyone decided, okay, we're out, we're not doing this battle, and then they walk two steps, find one forest of, like, 
I mean, sure, they're friends destroyed, and then immediately everyone is all in. They took all of that time to discuss it. They all said no, and then they see one thing, and they're like, okay, we're all in. We're going to now take over this entire, I don't know, city, settlement. What are the places they're called? I don't know. I don't know. But, That's interesting. Yeah. Is, Islingard? Islingard? How do you say that? Is that what it's called? Isengard. Isengard. It's in my notes somewhere. I'm just too lazy to scroll. It's but, yeah. Yeah. They just were ready to go, and they were badass when yeah, they like, did. Yeah, it's like when did they learn how to run? Yeah. <laughs> they just they did, Dan. I think um, it's interesting. Like, I I also think it's kind of silly the way it's executed in the movie. Yeah. I think it might it's executed a bit better in the extended edition because you spend a like, I would say like ninety percent of the additions and the extent in the extended cut is just like with the ants like there is so much more oh, is that there right? is so much ant nonsense in the extended cut <laughs> but i think that like the theme of it obviously is like well it's not affecting us so it doesn't matter but then to kind of see that like something that may not be affecting you directly like also does affect you like in some ways maybe if it's not like one for one um is like applicable to climate in a lot of ways but oh no for sure it's just yeah to what you're saying it's done in that really kind of forced dramatic way of like no and then one second later okay fine you know it doesn't really it's not executed to its fullest but um yeah it's interesting that that idea is even in there um in general and it's interesting that i didn't pick up on the idea but it is very applicable and i love that well, to be it fair... Just, it's like such a good read, yeah. To be fair, you had to watch 12 hours worth of Lord of the Rings content in the span of a week. That is true. And also a week <laughs> when you had to get a tetanus shot. So, you know, it's yeah. been a hell of a week. It's been a hell of a week. That's definitely... I'm not arguing with that. Yeah. All right, is there is there anything else we've, we've not covered? Carol, is there anything else in your notes you'd like to bring up about I, Lord of the Rings? <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, a lot like in my thoughts. notes. Um, okay, I just have one question that I don't think I was ever perfectly clear on. The Urukai are the creatures that were created by Saruman, yes? Yeah. Okay. Like Rita Repulsa style from, like, Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you telling me <laughs> you've seen... They came out of goo? You've seen Power Rangers, but not Lord of the Rings? Is that what we're... I... I did regularly watch Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the original series, yes, and I've seen the first film. What's the point? Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> I oh, had man. a couple of Power Rangers dolls. I had a little watch with the Red Ranger on it. That's hilarious. That was, that was my shit. But, yeah, okay, now that that's settled, I think that was a big question that I probably should have known the answer to. But. Well. It's not really explicitly explained, but yeah, I mean, I would, that's basically what happens in it, so. I was just, I always got confused between them and the orcs. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of, I think the only difference is the Urukai are more superior, more intelligent, slightly more intelligent. Yeah. Like, version, but they're all kind of like, they're all yeah, the same it, thing. Just generic, brainless, you know. They all just exist to die, so. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. But one of the things, like I was mentioning earlier, that makes it very redeeming is the amount of practical effects like it would have been so much it's so much better that it wasn't just a bunch of cgi you know like brainless random guys it, it, it's actual guys that you can see had like very detailed makeup applied and, and stuff like that it added a more 
human element, I guess. Yeah, for sure. For me, at least. I, I'd agree with that, too. I got a very Planet of the Apes vibe from that. I don't know why. I remember putting that in my like, notes. Uh, Just seeing all the Tim people Burton in Planet makeup. Of the Apes. <laughs> Tim <laughs> like Burton. The, or- <laughs> the original Planet of the Apes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Carol, you have also unlocked another part of my brain that you really don't want to unlock right now. I have too much Planet of the Apes knowledge for anyone in this world. So oh, I know. <laughs> I have too much. Um, yeah, you're right, though. It, it does kind of have that same kind of practical sense that, oh, wait, it's just, it's always better. I've never seen that in a movie and thought, like, oh, I wish this was CGI instead. Like, literally ever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we officially have talked about the entirety of anything to do with lord of the rings <laughs> i think we've officially reached uh feature length too. yeah that that is the goal of the podcast hence the name <laughs> we never really explained why uh, but people, that's why <laughs> if people they'll figure if it they out. made it this far then <laughs> that's why we call the feature length it's because every podcast is going to be about an hour and a half if we can manage it um <laughs> Also, if you did make it this far, like... God bless. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did, did Dan but thank pay you? Very you? Much. <laughs> did someone use our non-existent budget to pay you to listen to yeah. the whole thing? If you did make it this far, <laughs> thank you for being uh, clearly one of our best friends that's just watching this. T- to, <laughs> yeah. So when we ask you questions about it, you'll be like, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. I really hope you took notes, by the way. Yeah, really. I'm going to quiz all of you. Angelo, if you're listening to this... Just know you're going to get wrecked next time we're, we talk. We're doing personal shout-outs at the end. Shout-out to Angelo for no other reason other than he... It's like instead of our patrons, we're just shouting out like, oh, here's yeah, our here's friend our that we wanted to shout out. <laughs> here's our friends that are going to be the only people that watch this or listen to it, I guess. Okay, is that is that it? Did we do it? I think so. Okay. We did yeah. it. Not a Lord of the Rings-length feature, but... Well, a feature. I mean, very few I don't, so. maybe in the extended <laughs> If cut. we ever talk for three hours, I think someone needs to end this podcast. But do we know what our next episode is going to be? Have we decided on that yet? No, I don't think so. No, we've talked about a few ideas. Yeah, we but... have a few. we got a few things floating around in the think tank. I don't know. We'll figure something okay. out. So we'll make it a surprise? We'll make it a surprise. Tune in. Yeah, definitely. Tune in, and I think we said we'll try and do this every two weeks, right? Every couple of weeks, yeah. Okay. That seems feasible. Okay. Well, we'll try and figure something out, and then we'll we'll do it. Okay. Okay. Thanks for, thanks for listening, guys. And um, thank you so much. You know. Yeah. Thank you. I you, have no idea who will be hearing this, but thank you either. so much. If you liked it, <laughs> and you know people that may also like it's it, maybe just us listening back to our yeah. own voices. But yeah. just you know, go ahead and show, show it to people, and let them know that you're three friends. Show it to. People. Let them know that you're. Uh, Take, check out this black screen. Let them know that you're three. <laughs> friends from high school who you haven't thought about in like six years just recorded a podcast on like 15 year old movies and uh in the middle of a pandemic too. in the middle of a pandemic i'm sure this is going to be the thing that helps people through so oh yeah totally <laughs> all right thanks guys thanks thank you peace